Hello, welcome back to episode number 10 of Quality Dairy Sports Radio. I am your host, Ryan Dairy. It was a rough week this week for Detroit sports. Lions took a loss. Red Wings, a lot of injuries, a lot of crap that went on in the Ottawa game. Even Michigan basketball, the new one, one and one. So, not a great week for Detroit sports. And on top of that, even though I don't really talk about them much yet, or haven't talked about them much, the Pistons set the front, front, set a record for their twentieth straight loss, twenty straight losses. So, very bad week for Detroit sports. Let's uh, start it out with the Lions. Lions went to Chicago on Sunday and lost. It was a terrible game. At one point, they were ahead at halftime, 13-10, but that was a fluke. The Lions, in all aspects, just about played awful. Their offense could not do anything. The key with it being Jared Goff being awful once again. The defense could not contain Justin Fields. Let him run all over us, especially on third and longs. It was not a great day. Even the kicker missed extra uh, PAT attempt. It was rough. And, uh, yeah. I don't think uh, Lions have much hope going forward. For the last four weeks, ever since the bye week, we have squeaked by in a couple games. Games that we probably should have lost. The Chargers game was high scoring, back and forth. Defense couldn't do anything. Squeaked by with that game-winning field goal. Miraculously pulled it out against the Bears at home, which the Bears should have won that game. We played terrible until the fourth quarter. Got up big on the Saints. They came all the way back. Probably a game we could have lost. Lost to the Green Bay on Thanksgiving. Now you lose to Chicago. There's a trend going. And let's, let's talk about the game first. Chicago got the ball kicked to them or took the ball to start the game went right down the field scored a touchdown same thing they did in the opening game in Detroit not great defense could not contain Justin Fields just like they couldn't in Detroit especially on third and longs it was it was terrible Lions did put up two touchdowns to get to 13-10 at half, but it was sort of a, it was a fool's gold, 13-10. And then the rest of the game, Chicago dominated 28-13. Our defense got a little bit of pressure uh, in like the second and beginning of the third quarter. Our defense got a little pressure, played okay. Our offense, terrible. Jared Goff, turnovers once again. I I don't know. These last four or five weeks, ever since our bye week, Jared Goff has been, to me, the number one issue 
with the offense. He is turning the ball over at an astounding rate. I think he has two, at least two turnovers in every game. Some of those games he had three. Picks, fumbles, everything. He had a fumble under center in this game. Couldn't take the snap from the center. Center was a good snap. And he fumbles it. Right in a crucial part of the game, too. On the Bears' side. So the Bears had a short field. Goff has been terrible. He has been absolutely terrible. I don't know what's happened. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he was starting to feel himself. I don't know if what he did before was the anomaly, and this is the reality. This is the guy that the Rams traded away. The guy who went to a Super Bowl at the Rams, and they said, no, we want Matthew Stafford, and won one. Is this the guy that they traded, who they saw for a few years in uh, L.A., and said, no, we can't win with this guy. We need someone else. It could be. Maybe the last, let's say, year of games. From last year, midseason, until the bye week of this season. Maybe that stretch where we were like 13-1 and one or 13-2 or something, and he was playing great, maybe that was the anomaly. Maybe this is who Jared Goff is. And for some reason, he was playing out of his mind for those few games. But it's unacceptable. It really is. I'm about done with him. It's like I can take a quarterback being okay or somewhat bad if you don't turn the ball over. Like, we have guys on the team who can make plays. We have a good offensive line. We can run the ball. You have good wide receivers if you can get to them. The one thing you can't do is constantly turn the ball over, and that is what Jared Goff has done over and over and over again the last few games. This game, it was just a microcosm of all the other ones. You know, it's like Chicago showed that they they were the better team and that what happened in Detroit, they should have won that game also. You know, there's a little bit of an indictment on them that they blew that game. But in both games against Chicago, Detroit was the inferior team. They really were. It was hard to watch. And I don't know if Detroit has a future going forward. It's like this, these last four or five weeks, ever since the bye, deep down, I sort of felt like... I sort of knew they weren't playing good, but they had pulled out a few wins. But after this game, I had to come to reality, do a reality check and say that, yeah, this team, the way it's constructed, the way the players are playing, especially Jared Goff turning the ball over, they're not doing anything this year. And I'll go as far as to say it is going to be interesting if we even win the division we will make the playoffs I say that we have enough wins right now but we have four games left next week against Denver who Denver is on a roll and they're only a game back of the Chiefs they are hot right now we have Minnesota who you don't know what you're getting from Minnesota but it's a division game 
and you can see that the, the we've lost our last two division game division games. Should have lost three in a row if we didn't make the comeback against the Bears that first one. So we've lost two division games in a row. We have to play the Minnesota Vikings twice in the period. The one in Minnesota is probably an L. You can probably just mark that down as a loss. And then we go to Dallas. Dallas, who is playing some of the best football in the league right now. Them and the 49ers. So you can mark that down as a loss. So right there you're looking at if things go well, we win the two home games, go 2-2. Two and two. If things go really bad, we go 0-4, which is a possibility. We we end up 9-8, and eight, and we don't win the division. I don't see us winning the division at 9-8. and eight. Someone else, it would be Minnesota, would overtake us, win the division. They would get the home playoff game. We would be a wild card, have to go on the road, and we would get smoked. It's it's not looking good. This team, I had to come to reality this week that no matter what happens, even if we do win the division, depending on who we play, we'll probably lose the first game at home in the, in the divisional round or the wild card round. And if we were to win that, we would definitely lose the second game because we would play either the 49ers, Cowboys, or Eagles at their place. We would get smoked. This team is not equipped to make a run in the playoffs. If Jared Goff was playing like the first six, eight games this season, our offense could possibly have a shot to do it. To possibly, would it, our offense would have to be the one who pulls it off, but... We're not good. We are not good. And there is no solution. We can't get a pass rush. Hutchinson finally got a sack. Before this game, they said that Hutchinson had not had a sack in seven games. Besides him, who at least pressures the quarterback, our offensive line's been terrible. Linebackers have been solid. Secondary's been okay, but we give up too many big plays, especially on third and long. It's it's going downhill. It's going downhill fast. Like I said, there is a real strong possibility we don't even win the division. We end up a wild card. We start the year, what, 9-3, and 8-2, and two, and can't even win the division. That's how bad we're playing right now. And a lot of it comes down to Goff. You can't turn the ball over that much. You cannot turn the ball over that much, give the other team that many short fields, and expect to win. It just doesn't happen. It does not happen in this league. We got away with it one time. One time against Chicago. And then we go play them in Chicago, and they put a beat down on us. Our Our defense, our defensive line cannot get pressure. Especially a mobile quarterback. That's who you're going to be playing. You're going to be going up against Jalen Hurts, a Dak Prescott, even a Brock Purdy to some extent. We can't, we don't contain. We run weird assignments or calls on defense. It's, 
it's not looking good. It is not looking good. It's like this week we have uh, they flex the game to Saturday. We have uh, Denver at home on Saturday night. I don't have high hopes for this game. I don't know what the line is for this game. I don't know if Detroit's even favored. But seeing the way the Broncos have been playing lately, we could easily lose this game. Drop to 9-5. and five. Easily. I can easily see us losing this next game at home against Denver. From all that hope there was at the beginning of the year, you get to December when you have to start playing your best ball going into the playoffs. And we're going in the opposite direction. It is... It's hard to watch. Like, all hope has been just yanked out of me. I'm back to being what I was the last few years or forever as a Lions fan. Just hopeless. You know, it's like this team plays so well to start. Gives you that feeling like, okay, something's different. And then we go back to our same old ways of shit we did for years and years and years. I don't know. Like I said, we'll we'll still make the playoffs no matter what because we have nine wins, and there are going to be a team that that final wild card will probably be a nine win team, so we can still do that. But I don't know if we'll even win the division. If we do, it'll be by a game or a tiebreaker or something like that. But it's not looking good. It is. It's not looking good. And there is no solution in the horizon. So, yeah. One other thing I want to uh, talk about from the game in uh, in particular. The refereeing. Now, everyone who is a Lions fan and watches them every week knows that the referees screw us more than any other team there is and ever has been. And once again, in this game, there was two examples of that. One, at the end of the first quarter, the play clock and the game clock were a half a second off. Half a second off. I have never, in all the years of watching football seen when the the clocks are that close a delay of game called ever have never seen it you could have watched every game this week and seen multiple times during that game where the play clock gets to zero and there is a second or two or three buffer before they get the ball off and no delay of game is called Somehow, for the first time that I can ever remember, with the play clock a half a second different than their game clock, they call a delay of game on us. I have never seen it before. Not in that since not in that not in those circumstances. There is always, always, always leeway. So many times in every game. You'll be getting close, and they do not call when that play clock gets to zero. That instant, a delay of game. There is always a delay. Always. But nope, because we are the Lions, we get a delay of game. That was the first unbelievable thing. 
it's always something new. It always is. So that was the first unbelievable thing you see with the refs fucking us over. Number two, in the third quarter, I believe it was, it was like a third and eight or something like that. Chicago has the ball. Justin Fields takes the snap, goes back. I forget exactly who was tackling him. I don't know if it was Hutchinson. I don't know if it was Kaminsky. So Justin Fields is in the pocket. The guy is starting to tackle him. He throws the ball straight into the dirt. He is inside the inside the tackles. The ball does not get back to the line of scrimmage. There is no receiver anywhere in the area. He was in duress, which the rule calls for intentional grounding. When you're in duress, not being outside the pocket or not getting the ball back to the line of scrimmage. That is the definition of intentional grounding. You are getting tackled. And you throw the ball straight into the dirt. And nothing is called. They even made a correction that said, because he was getting tackled, that negates intentional grounding. The whole idea of intentional grounding is that when you're under pressure... You can't just throw the ball into the dirt. They literally, on the spot, in that game, changed the rule. Changed the rule of intentional grounding. Like I said, if you're a Lions fan, every single week you see something that is unbelievable a screwing over by the refs that you do not see on other teams. He was literally in the pocket, getting tackled, threw the ball straight into the dirt while well, it hit the guy's leg, but his leg was right under him, his offensive lineman's leg. He basically threw the ball straight down, and they said that because he was getting tackled... There was no intentional grounding. The whole reason intentional grounding is in the, in the, is a rule in the first place is to prevent stuff like that. So these referees literally changed the entire rule on the spot. The whole intention of the rule was to prevent things like this. And that's why the, and they actually did the exact opposite. They said that because he was under pressure, because he was getting tackled, he could throw the ball straight down into the ground and nothing would happen. And that was a very pivotal moment in the game because it was, it was like a third and eight or something. They called it incomplete. They got back to third and eight. It would have been if it were what went to fourth and eight. It would have been a 4th and 15 or something like that. 4th and 16. Between 4th and 15, 4th and 20. 
that's what it should have been. But it was fourth and eight. They ended up going for it and got that deep ball for a touchdown on that fourth down. The line jumped off sides, had a free shot, got the touchdown, completely swung the game. Completely swung the game over an intentional grounding call that they changed the rule on the spot to benefit Chicago. The entire reason the rule was put into place in the first place to prevent quarterbacks from who were under duress from just throwing the ball into the ground, they said that is why it was not intentional grounding. Every single thing that that rule is supposed to be They did the exact opposite. Just unbelievable. I said, if you watch the Lions every single week, you see something that you'll never seen before and that you'll never see again. And it it goes only to the Lions. Some other don't get me wrong, there's some other teams that get shitty calls. But nothing ever to the extent that the Red Wings get. Ever. It is, I don't know, I don't know what it is. But, once again, two things in this game that came down to referees that happened that I've never seen before in my life. And I'm sure we'll never see from again. If this refereeing crew, whoever it was, do not does not get punished for that, then that's a joke in itself itself. You cannot reward terrible refereeing. And this year I know it's been even a bigger issue than it has years past. But that's the life of a Lions fan. Getting fucked over by refs getting screwed over by the referees. So, yeah, going forward, we have the Broncos Saturday night. Don't have much hope in winning the game. We'll see what happens. Denver, Vikings, Dallas, Vikings. Four games left in the season. How many will we win? Possibly two. Possibly zero. We'll see what team shows up against Denver, who is on a hot streak, like I said. So, uh, yeah, very disappointing, very reminiscent week of what it used to be for the Lions. So, not great. Not a great Sunday. Let's next jump to the Red Wings, who had a terrible week as well. Terrible week. Not only losing games, losing players, the bullshit that happened in the Ottawa game. So, uh, let's just start with the beginning. Tuesday night, went to Buffalo. Red Wings got the win 5-3. to three. They jumped out to a 4-0 uh, lead early in the game. Buffalo sort of crawled back, got it to 4-3. Uh... Red Wings put the game away with an empty netter, got to 5-3. 
Red Wings, for the most part, played really good in that game until the fourth, third period when they started to sort of ease back and allowed Buffalo to just shoot the puck nonstop. There were a couple of bad breaks, too, in that game of pucks going in, of bad bounces that went Buffalo's way for the puck getting to the net. But we beat Buffalo, who's a rival in our division now, so that was good to see. On Thursday, Red Wings are at home. I had San Jose come in. San Jose, who's one of the worst teams in the league. Yes, they played better recently, but you should easily beat San Jose. Realistically, if you look at San Jose's roster, there is nothing special about them. They're in a complete rebuild. Last year, they traded away pretty much all their players. This year, if they can get rid of certain guys, they will. I believe it was the first period, it was 0-0. Second period of the game, Red Wings score four in a row, go up 4 nothing, on San Jose. Okay, you're doing, what you're, you're doing what you're supposed to against a bad team. Then it, then it turned into a wild game where San Jose scored four goals next, and the second period ended at 4-4. That was just terrible, terrible defense by the Red Wings. They gave two shorthanded goals. Two shorthanded goals that started San Jose's comeback. You go up 4 nothing, then turn around, give up two shorthanded goals and two others. And you end the third period. And you end the second period tied 4-4. Terrible. Then the third period. Red Wings jump out, take lead again, once again, 4-5. What happens towards the end of the game? Minute 30 left. They give up goal. It's 5-5. Game goes overtime. And right away in overtime, Sharks win it. 6-5. So that was the start to the terrible week. You go back, you just beat Buffalo on the road, division rival. You get up big against San Jose and completely blow the game. Give it right to them. Okay, so that's San Jose. You had a bad game, you had a bad night. Saturday. Red Wings are at home. Ottawa comes in. And I'll say it right now. The Ottawa Senators are one of the biggest scumbag motherfucking teams in this league. It's probably a pretty close tie between them and Florida. But Ottawa is a bunch of dirtbag motherfucking scumbags. There is nothing no two, uh, no, nothing else you can say about it. Ottawa has a bunch of dirtbags on that team. And he started off with Brady Kachuk, the king of them. And this is when all the shit went down that puts Detroit in a very bad spot going forward. So, in that game, Ottawa goes up 1-1. Red Wings come back, tied up 1-1, Patrick Kane. 
Well, in that process, Dylan Larkin is down low in front of the goal, and Matthew Joseph, who is a scumbag motherfucker, has been everywhere he has always everywhere he has played, has been in this league, has been ever since he stepped foot in the league. He's been a scumbag piece of garbage. Dylan Larkin is sort of hunched over a little bit. And Matthew Joseph from behind cross-checks Larkin to the back of the neck and face at the same time from the front Parker Kelly cross-checks Larkin to the other side of the neck and face and Larkin gets knocked out on the ice they knock Larkin out Peron turns around, sees Zub over, standing over Larkin, goes after him, not seeing the play in that wasn't him, it was the other fucking Joseph who was the actual culprit in the whole situation. So Larkin gets knocked out on the ice, they take him off, the referees go to replay. And I'll say right now, the refereeing for this entire game is some of the worst I've ever seen. So from behind, Matthew Joseph cross-check to the neck and face of Larkin. Kelly on the other side cross-check to the neck and face of Larkin, knocking him out cold. The call comes back that each player gets a two-minute minor. Are you fucking kidding me? What were you looking at? And the only explanation they gave was that Joseph's hand sort of slipped off his stick as he was cross-checking Larkin. So it wasn't a true cross-check. So he had the full force behind it. His hand sort of slipped at the end as he was making contact. And punched him also. And that's a two minute minor. They also gave Kelly from the other side a two minute minor. But you know who gets thrown out of the game and gets a a five minute major? David Perron. For going after Zub who is standing over Larkin who he thought fucking is the one who knocked him out. Out of everything... David Perron gets thrown out of the game. Not that little bitch, fucking Matthew Joseph. Not fucking Parker Kelly, who was doing it from the other side. David Perron, going to stick up for his fucking teammate. He's the one who gets tossed. Absolute horseshit garbage fucking calls by the fucking refs. Garbage. And this plays out later for what's coming up with the Red Wings. Red Wings go on losing this game. So we find out this week that JT Comfer got put on IR retroactively. 
Clem Costin got put on IR retroactively. Dylan Larkin, I guess all the x-rays and all that stuff came back negative. But he got put on IR on IR with no timetable for a return. On top of that, David Perron gets six games. Six fucking games that they give David Perron. Are you fucking kidding me? There is absolutely no way he should get six games. There are fucking garbage players in this league who do worse shit all the time and never get suspended. David Perron has played forever in this league, is not known to be a dirty player of any kind, has never been suspended, nothing. Six fucking games. Matthew Joseph, nothing. Parker Kelly, nothing. Nothing. The only person who gets who gets punishment in this case is David Perron and the Detroit Red Wings who lose Dylan Larkin for who knows how long. So the Red Wings now are down four players for who knows how long. Perron for six games we know for sure. The other three, who knows how long. And most of it happens in this game. Ottawa is a bunch of fucking scumbags. We have Brady Kachuk, who's a fucking cocksucker, who's the king of it, instigator, does all his fucking bullshit, who fucking makes it a culture up there for other guys to follow along and do bullshit that gets players hurt. You have fucking Matthew Joseph, who's been a cocksucker everywhere he's ever been, who fucking knocks Larkin out of the game. Parker Kelly... I'll give him a little bit of a pass just because of the way it was happening. Him coming from the front wasn't as much his fault. You have Claude Giroux, who's a fucking cocksucker, always has been. Ottawa is a bunch of fucking scumbags. And they get no punishment out of the whole entire situation. And then Joseph comes out and says there was no ill intent. He had no intent to hurt Larkin. No intent. He knew exactly what the fuck he was doing. You can't, you don't cross check somebody by the neck by accident in front of the goal. When your arms are at shoulder height, you're going for someone's neck. Your arms aren't down low, going into the back or the ribs or the side. When your arms are at your shoulders and you're going straight out, you're going into someone's fucking neck. Someone's head. He had no intent to do that. Fuck you. Fuck Matthew Joseph. And there's one game left in this series. I believe it's in Detroit. There better be some fucking bloodshed in that game. By everyone on the Red Wings. Who knows who's going to be back by that time. Who knows if Lark- when Larkin will ever be back. I don't care who it is on that fucking team. I don't care if you're the biggest finesse player in the world like Larkin. Or I should say like Raymond. Or someone like Cider who doesn't, never gets into fights. Or whoever you are. Goss Despair. 
who's a finesse player. When Ottawa comes into that fucking building, there better be fucking bloodshed. You better fucking drop your gloves and slug it out and knock someone's fucking teeth out. Because the league did absolutely nothing. The league with their fucking way of suspending people is so goddamn awful. It makes no fucking sense. It is absolutely pathetic. David Perron gets six fucking games. While other people in this league get nothing. Same thing happened last year. Last year, Rasmussen was against the board. Didn't have full control of his stick. Got in high sticking. They suspended him for three games. Three games for just a normal play. The fucking league's disciplinary thing on players and suspensions and stuff that happens is absolute fucking garbage. Because there are some dirtbags in this fucking league who never get anything. Especially on Toronto. For Matthew Joseph to get nothing out of it is absolute bullshit. Now, I never have been a huge fan of Larkin. He's a good player, don't get me wrong. Do I think he's a superstar who can carry a team by himself? No. Do I think he's sort of that $8 million a year player which we paid him? Yes. But you're taking the captain out of the game and you get nothing for it? Well, fuck. Why doesn't every team now just send somebody to go injure whoever the best player on the other team is because nothing's going to happen to you? The league just set the precedent. Go fucking cross-check someone in the fucking neck, knock them out cold, because nothing's going to happen. No, the teammate who comes over and fucking stands up for him, he's going to be the one who gets suspended. Yeah, the league fucking joke with this one. Fucking joke. Ottawa can go fuck themselves. Every player on that fucking team, they're all fucking pieces of garbage. Yeah, like I said, we play Ottawa one more time in Detroit. Detroit better be fucking ready. There better be some fucking blood in the ice. There better be some teeth getting knocked out in that fucking game. I'm saying right now. So, you have the Ottawa game where everyone gets hurt. Then on Monday, last night, Red Wings were in Dallas. We already talked about everyone who was out. Comfer, Larkin, Costin, Perron. They brought up Austin Reese, Zarnick, and Bergeron. And Detroit lost 6-3 to in Dallas. Just not the same team. It's like Costin, maybe it can be that, isn't it? A huge loss because he's a fourth liner. But you could tell, especially no Larkin. No Larkin, no Perron, no Comfer. Completely different team it was. I mean, they showed some fight, don't get me wrong, but Dallas completely dominated uh, possession time, especially in the zone. It's like Detroit cannot clear the puck. Dallas could just pass it around. They they out out just out beat us out everything does in that game. Like I said, Red Wings showed a little bit of fight, but 
wasn't great. And now going forward, we have a back-to-back to where we play St. Louis tonight, Carolina, at Philly, who is somehow playing really good, Anaheim, who you never know, the Jets, who are playing really good, tops in their thing, Flyers, Devils, Wild, Predators, Bruins to finish out the month. Perron's not back for another five games. So he won't be back to the end of the month. And who knows how long the other guys are out. Comfer, his injury's undisclosed, so we have no idea. He's not really day-to-day. He's sort of just, it's, there's really no information on Comfer. Larkin, it seems, going to be out for a while with absolutely no timetable to return. So, fuck, Larkin could be out the rest of the year. So, one fucking game. One fucking game against a dirtbag, scumbag, motherfucking team in Ottawa. And your whole season goes down the toilet. Because if those guys don't come back, we ain't doing shit. We ain't doing nothing. It just sucks. Especially because Patrick Kane, I had my reservations on him. He looks great out there. Now, he doesn't have the speed that he used to have. But as far as his skill and still having his passing ability and being his ice awareness and all that stuff on the ice, he's back to being completely healthy, it seems. Him on the power play, being on that right side, having a shot from that right side now, his passing across the ice, all that stuff, helps out the power play huge. His skill set, it's like he's playing great. He he comes, signs with the team, gets to basically play one game with them, and everyone goes out, gets hurt, and the season, who knows what's going to happen now. You know? It's like he could have been that spark for us who, you know, pushed us to a wild card spot. Got us that little bit of extra ump that we needed in the lineup because like you said on the power play he's invaluable over on that right side that's one that was our one weakness this year was that the right side being of the was the right side on the power play with him being a lefty being able to have that one timer shot or being able to hit or his passing ability huge improvement on the power play but when you lose that many guys and you don't know when they're all going to be back, it's tough. The best that you can hope for is that we hold on. But it just sucks that one fucking team, one fucking team, a team that has a reputation like Ottawa does, has the players that Ottawa does who are all fucking scumbags, derail can derail an entire season for you and nothing happens. That's the most frustrating thing. Nothing fucking happens. The only punishment goes against the Red Wings. Bunch of bullshit. So we'll see what happens this week with the Red Wings. I don't know. I really don't. Those are such big losses to not have in the lineup that it's going to be hard to win. It's going to be hard to win any of these games. 
one other thing about this week that I found out or that I saw James Reimer needs to go. Lion and who saw your goalies? Reimer is gar- is garbage. He played a couple of good games early on, but he's garbage. Put him on waivers, trade him, do something. There's teams that need goalies and they'll take a shot on him. Maybe you can get something for him. But Lyon has clearly cemented himself as the number two, possibly the number one, because Huso has not played great this year. But it's between Huso and Lyon. Stop putting Reimer out there. Get rid of him. He's a liability. So, yeah, a lot of rambling on that one, but it's just a shame that you can see your whole season go up in flames because of one cocksucking team and some dirtbag fucking players. So anyways, we'll see what happens this week with the Red Wings, how well they do. But, uh, yeah, final thing to talk about a little bit, Michigan basketball. Two games this week went one and one. Not great, not awful. You know, one and one, 500. First game they played Indiana. It was on fucking Peacock. They lost a close one down the stretch. Not able to watch because it was on fucking Peacock. So sick and tired of this bullshit with NBC we signed this new contract and NBC is trying so hard to get people to buy Peacock they already failed okay I'm going to go into a rant on NBC and Peacock so during the football season we had the new contract with with the Big Ten which they're going to be on NBC CBS stuff like that they change, you know, the new contract that's going, that's uh, being put in place. The big thing with NBC was that once a week, there's going to be a game on Peacock. So basically, NBC is trying to funnel people to purchase their streaming service. Well, after the first or second week, I know the first week Michigan played week number one, game number one. Michigan was the team on Peacock. I don't know how many more weeks it, it went on, but it wasn't very too, many, too many more. And they saw real quick that people for college football were not going to buy Peacock just to watch a game, watch one Big Ten game a week. And what ended up happening NBC started broadcasting all these games that were supposed to be exclusively to Peacock throughout the year on NBC as well. All the way down to the final game, Michigan State-Penn State. Michigan State-Penn State, that Saturday, or that Friday, uh, Friday after Thanksgiving, was supposed to be the big key, marquee game on Peacock. That was what the whole thing before the season was about because Michigan State lost a home game. And like two or three weeks in, NBC saw that, yeah, ain't nobody buying your fucking streaming service to watch one Big Ten game a week. It got put out. It became very clear. 
You know, it's like, and after those first couple weeks, every game that was supposed to be on Peacock was also on NBC. So they already saw that with football, college football, which is as popular as it is, did not work. So what are they doing now? College basketball. So like I said, this past game, Michigan-Indiana was on Peacock, unable to watch. I'm not buying Peacock to watch one fucking Michigan game. So you couldn't make it work with college football, who has a much bigger audience than college basketball. It didn't work the first time with college football, but now you're going to put college basketball games during the week exclusively on Peacock for the Big Ten. Who the fuck is running this place? If people were not going to subscribe to your service for college football, they sure as hell ain't subscribing for college basketball. Just just stream, just put these games on fucking NBC. You're going to make more fucking money. I know Peacock don't talk, cost a ton, but you ain't getting all these fucking subscribers. They're going to pay for it. Put the fucking games on NBC on a national TV and get your money that way. All this idea and these plans that you had of trying to drive people and, oh, man, people are now going to buy our streaming service. Ain't fucking working. Like I said, if it doesn't work with college football, it sure as hell ain't going to work with college basketball. So, yeah, could not watch the uh, Michigan-Indiana game. I saw that came down to the wire, and Indiana made shots. Michigan didn't. In the other game, Michigan played... uh, Michigan played... Oh, I forgot now who they play. I have to look it up real quick. Michigan played Iowa. Michigan played Iowa on Sunday in Iowa. Michigan got the win, 90-80. to 80. From the bit that I saw, and I think what it is going forward, my take on Michigan, Michigan basketball, They can score the ball, and that's how they're going to have to win. It's like the one thing that Michigan can do is shoot and score, and that is how they're going to have to win. They're not great defensively. They are not great defensively. They give up a lot of points to the other team, and they turn the ball over a lot. So nights where Michigan is not shooting well, they're going to get blown out. On nights where Michigan's shooting great, they're going to win by a decent margin because they can shoot really well. And nights where it's 50-50, it's going to come down to close games. And as of now in close games, Michigan does not have it. Now in close games, that can change down the stretch. If you find that right player who possibly could be McDermott or uh, McDaniel, But as of right now and going forward, the formula I see for Michigan is you have to outscore everybody. 
I don't think that our defense is going to get better throughout the year. I mean, we do have some size in there. So I don't really know what the issue is with defense. But defensively, we are not going to be great. We can shoot the ball. So going forward, we are going to have to shoot the ball really well in every game to have a chance to win. And when we get into some of those tight games, we're going to have to be good at situationally. Right now, I see Michigan as middle of the pack of Big Ten. Now, the Big Ten conference right now looks pretty mediocre. But right now, I see Michigan 5, 6, 7 in the Big Ten. You know, it's like the win some, the lose some. Will it be good enough to eventually get them into the tournament I don't know they're going to have to pull off a couple bigger wins in the Big Ten during the regular season I think to push them into the possibility of getting in the tournament but I just see them this year as being an average team now there is a possibility that throughout the year once we get into Big Ten play that they could really turn it on scoring-wise, and just not turn the ball over as much and win a lot of games that way. But they're a good offensive team, not great defensive team, and they commit a lot of turnovers. So they're a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team. We'll see how things change down the stretch. But, or I should say in Big Ten tournament, in Big Ten conference play, We'll see how things play out, but I see us being a uh, five through seven seed in the Big Ten, and it'll, we'll probably be a bubble team for the tournament. You know, if we can pull off a, a few big wins, especially on the road during conference play, you know, then maybe we uh, can have a better resume to get in the tournament. I mean, with our shooting ability. If we have a really good night, we could knock off anybody, but that's what we need. We need to be lights out shooting. So we'll see how it all goes. I think Michigan doesn't play, only has one game this week, so won't be a lot. But, uh, yeah, like I said, it was a rough week with everything that happened. Michigan was the best case at 1-1. One and one. Red Wings, fucking Ottawa, those scumbags. Red Wings season now, who knows what's going to happen. All these players hurt, especially Larkin. Detroit on a downslide. Going into the rest of December might be rough. Might be rough. So, uh, yeah, that's about all I got today for this week. So, uh. Yeah, thanks for li- thanks for listening. Uh, comment, like, subscribe, however you listen, and uh, I will talk to you next week.